Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for the second Sunday of Easter in year A. Uh, we just started a series called He Lives, appropriate for this Easter season. And today we are going to be thinking about how Jesus lives to give us proof and peace. We're thinking about all the different uh, blessings that flow out of our risen Savior's new life, life that he shares with us too. Just a, a reminder, maybe, as we begin a new series of kind of what the point of the Preacher podcast is, we're not trying to uh, do the work for preachers of doing a, a thorough text study. We're not uh, trying to take the place of uh, the preacher in his own unique situation, wrestling with the text and coming up with a way to present it to his people. Um, that's still the, the calling of preachers to do in each place where the Lord has called them, uh, to the people the Lord has called them to speak to. But what we're hoping to do is kind of like a circuit meeting where you do a tech study and then get together and with your brothers, just share ideas and bounce things off of one another. Hopefully things that will get your kind of mental gears turning and get the juices flowing as you continue with the sermon writing process. Uh, so yeah, we hope to give you some things to think about, things to reflect upon. Um, I often tell guys, you know, your mileage may vary with each of these episodes. Uh, some weeks you might get a ton of stuff you'll use in your sermon, other weeks not as much, but hopefully they'll get you thinking um, and just get some different perspectives in your mind on the portion of God's word that you're focusing on that week. So with that, let me introduce our participants for the day. We have with us for this series Two preachers, Brett Krause from Zion Lutheran in Denver, Colorado, and Pastor Tyler Peel from Prince of Peace in Salt Lake City, Utah. And then also with us today is Professor Bill Tackmeyer, uh, who teaches Old Testament and homiletics here at the seminary. And I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, your moderator. So let's get started today with Brett Krause, if we could. Brett, could you get us thinking about the theme for this week, the second Sunday of Easter, what is kind of the key truth you want worshipers to go home with this week? Sure. Thanks, Professor Mitchell. Uh, so as you said, the theme for this week is he lives to give me proof and peace. So those are the two key words that we're keying in on, proof and peace. And something that caught my mind when I thought about that theme is you know, when you prove that something is true, um, how much do you need to prove it? Maybe there's two main factors. How unlikely is the thing that you're talking about that's true? And how important is it that that thing is true? So, for example, if I told somebody, hey, I can juggle 10 bowling pins all at once, they might say, well, that seems rather unlikely. You're probably going to have to prove it. I'll believe it when I see it. But Maybe they would say, you know what, on second thought, I don't really care whether you can juggle 10 bowling pins all at once. Uh, that's not important to me, so I, you don't have to prove it. Well, the thing that we're obviously talking about, what's true or not, it's that Jesus is resurrected from the dead. So how unlikely, how important, from a human perspective, resurrection from the dead seems impossible. You know, living things die dead things stay dead. So this seems like a very unlikely truth to be true. We're going to need a lot of proof in order to prove to us that that's true. Uh, but how important is it? 
is it an important thing that Jesus really rose from the dead? And maybe that keys us in on that second key word from the theme. Our peace is at stake. Uh, true peace, peace with God now and in eternity because of the forgiveness of my sins and the fact that death has been conquered for me. Uh, my peace is at stake. If Jesus really did rise from the dead, I have it. And if he didn't, I don't have it. So we're talking about something that's eternally important here. So you can imagine Jesus saying to us this week, uh, okay, a resurrection from the dead seems unlikely, but it's eternally important and it happened. So me proving it, I'm going to make sure I prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt. So I'm going to make sure there's a lot of eyewitnesses to my resurrection. And I'm going to make sure that those eyewitnesses give a whole lot of testimony of my resurrection too. And that's really what we see this week. And I'm sure when Tyler talks through the other readings, um, he'll key on some of those things as well. Yeah, thank you, Brett. Let's go then to Tyler. And could you uh, fill us in on the first reading in the gospel, particularly since it is the second reading this week that we'll be focusing on for our sermon text. Could you just give us a little uh, synopsis of those other two readings, Tyler? Happily. Yeah. And as Pastor Krause said, the lectionary is interested in giving us from the scriptures, this proof uh, that comes to us in the eyewitnesses. Oh, and by the way, Pastor Krause, unless I see it with my own eyes and touch the bowling pins, there's no way I will believe 10 could happen. <laughs> So the, it, in, um, in doing this lectionary, gives us, takes us to the ancient practice of the Christian church, which was to read parts of the book of the Acts of the Apostles instead of the Old Testament in these Sundays after Easter, especially the first couple Sundays are really based on these eyewitness accounts. Um, so this Sunday is Acts chapter 2, which is part of Peter preaching on Pentecost, specifically verses 22 to 32 after an introduction. Acts is, of course, at least uh, the first part of it is has heavily to do with the church being founded and um, merging and growing, and that because there are witnesses to this incredible victory. To the they have a story to tell that can't be contained. That the risen Lord Jesus Christ has shown Himself to them, um, and in in telling these people, Peter telling the people that day. Um, and it being recorded for us, it's also the place then that our faith gets to be founded um, on, on the fact of what they saw, um, which also, of course, affects the way we see everything now in faith. So Peter says to them, um, I, th I think um, it's helpful to remember before and after this part of his preaching, uh, right before it, he says, uh, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, this is the thing that he's interested in telling them that there is forgiveness for them because he comes next with uh, a strong word of law. Um, you, Jesus is that name, but you uh, put him to death. His miracles wit, uh, testified to it, but you put him to death. And Eddie says, this wasn't an accident. This is God's fits within God's purpose completely. And to, to prove it, he quotes the scripture, Old Testament scriptures to them. So he goes to Psalm 16, um, where David writes about uh, the Holy One not seeing decay. It becomes the psalm for the day of, as well. Um, and says, but David is still in the grave. And um, so he saw something by faith that was bigger than him, as God had promised on oath to him, that there would be a descendant, there would be Jesus the Christ. And so David saw it by faith, but Peter and the 11 uh, 
they saw it with their own eyes. And that's the gospel lesson for the day. Uh, one of the places that they saw the risen Lord Jesus, John 20, uh, verses 19 to 31 is always the gospel on the second Sunday of Easter and the three years and and the one year lectionary as well. A familiar story, Thomas and the disciples, um, oh, they're locked away hiding at least the first week without Thomas, um, with shame and I'm sure and doubt and fear, all things that are opposite of peace. Um, and Jesus doesn't wait for them to get over that and get past it. He comes to them in the midst of it. Um, and me, you know, if I was going to add another P word this week, it would probably be presence. He comes and stands among them. And um, in a world that maybe has a loneliness epidemic, uh, the presence of Christ is always uh, tremendous comfort. So there he is among them. And the first thing he wants to say to them is peace. Uh, the war is over now objectively speaking, between you and God, uh, because everything has been defeated at the cross and empty tomb. And so shalom, um, there's peace in, and Jesus speaks it. Uh, And then he gives the proof of it as Pastor Krause was talking about, here are my wounds, the proof that I am the one um, that Isaiah spoke of would be put on the cross, but in these wounds we, uh, is healing for us. And so a place to go with doubts and fears And then um, there's, you know, that section, uh, institution of the keys, we call it in our catechism. Luther talked about how we treat of sins in uh, two ways. One, the forgiveness obtained and achieved at the cross, but he said we don't go running to the cross for the forgiveness. It needs to be delivered to us. So the second way we treat of it is the deliverance. And this is what Jesus is standing there for, to deliver to them a word of absolution, uh, peace to you. And now that you are forgiven, you are to be forgivers. This is what the resurrection does. It spreads from one to another um, with hope and new life. Well, Thomas is not there. Um, and when he come, when he when Jesus comes back to see him the next week, Thomas seems to be, I suppose, protecting himself. I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. But then Jesus speaks to him and shows him. Uh, the proof um, for his peace, and Thomas believes, and he has, and doesn't say, "Oh, it, it's it's you, my Lord and my God." Uh, this beautiful confession, and then he, uh, Jesus, speaks to Thomas a word to us: "Blessed are you who have not seen yet have believed," uh, which of course ties in with the text we're going to look at today. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, then the the words wrap up with the purpose of this book from John but also by extension, the purpose of the scripture, I think that there is life for us in these words. Um, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and have life in his name, uh, indestructible, everlasting life. And then I just want to say at the end um, of this book, John, you know, circles back to the beginning, I think in the, in the front end of the, of the book of John, he's trying to explain to us that the divine, the word has become flesh and is a, is human. And then here at the end, there is Jesus standing among them with wounds because he's human uh, and really alive in flesh, but my Lord and my God, the, the clear confession of his, of the divine. So um, obviously hardly anything to preach on in those two texts. <laughs> Yeah, that that's one of the challenges here, isn't it? Uh, there's just so much um, uh, richness to deal with here, um, even in that. Yeah, that the gospel uh, reading. How many 
you know, sections are there, how many sermons are there. There's right. just so much beauty. Um, but let's turn to our appointed sermon text for the week. So this is the one pointed to in the foundation resources from Congregation Services um, as part of the He Lives series, and that is 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Uh, Bill Tackmeyer, could you just start us off as we think about noteworthy points for preachers in this text? Sure. Well, what Tyler just said about those other two readings uh, is certainly true about this one, too. There are just so many things that you could zero in on. Uh, and I wanted to say, Tyler, with the gospel, uh, perhaps that's part of the genius of the church, huh? that we get that reading every year because there's just so many things that you could preach on and zero in on. And uh, it's too bad we don't have this first Peter uh, text every year, too, because I think you could look at it from many different angles. There are just so many uh, spiritual concepts in this text. Um, uh, new birth through Christ's resurrection, living hope, um, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Um, joy comes up numerous times in this text. Uh, faith. Um, and even though uh, Peter is talking about these deep spiritual truths, uh, he has such a way with words that he can uh, use things that people will identify with in order to understand these truths, uh, you know, that our faith is of greater worth than gold. And the whole process of refining gold and how that renders the ore uh, to be a pure metal um, and how God then uses trials in order to uh, purify our faith. Um, uh, I think the one that Brett talked about uh, as being the focus for this set of uh, readings, uh, probably peace is the one that comes closest to the ones that are named here in 1 Peter, uh, but notice that it isn't uh, in here. Um, so probably when you're starting to zero in on the sermon, um, although you're going to go in the direction of peace, uh, perhaps it's best uh, to focus on maybe hope or faith or joy as the one you're going to choose to really be in the spotlight. Um, but uh, that very first verse, I think, uh, helps focus in, in on the connection between Jesus' resurrection and then our being born again that that's the thing that connects us uh, to, to what Jesus did here uh, on Easter morning. Um, so I think I would want to uh, especially look at uh, verse three as I, as I would be trying to finally focus this particular sermon. And um, verse three, of course, you, you can't help but think of Romans six, verse four, you know, that uh, our baptism is what connects us to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that uh, we died in baptism, that the sinful nature was drowned in baptism, and that the new self uh, came to life. And you also can't help but think with that verse of Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5, that we were dead in our transgressions, and Christ has made us alive. 
God has made us alive with Christ. So I think with all the things that you've got going on in a text like this, uh, you really want to keep verse 3 in focus as you're now trying to focus the message uh, that is the sermon uh, for this particular Sunday. Yeah, thanks for getting us started there, Bill, just um, by pointing us to that first verse and kind of the key thought that's there, the, the new birth into a living hope. Um, what are some of the other uh, facets of this text that would kind of, you would kind of in your sermon perhaps relate back to the living hope or the mercy that's mentioned there in verse three? Uh, any thoughts in that regard, Brett? Yeah, and I'm I'm glad Professor Tackmeyer focused on us in back on verse three because that's where all those keywords come in. All of these blessings that we have because Christ rose from the dead, that new birth, the living hope, the inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade as you go into verse four, it's kept in heaven for you. So P Peter is just laying out all of these things that we now have because Christ rose from the dead and linking it to our baptism that I personally have because I was connected to Christ in my baptism. And then you think of what the, the original readers of Peter's letter were going through, and you could so easily hear them tell Peter, yeah, all of those things, I'm not seeing it because life is filled with trials and hardships. Um, and he mentions that in verse 6. He talks about them suffering griefs in all kinds of trials. And for them, it was probably more than just the, the natural griefs and trials that happen in the course of a sinful life. They were facing a lot of those trials and sufferings specifically because they were connected to Christ. So the temptation, probably just as it was for the disciples in that locked room, the outward circumstances of life seem to be robbing me of my peace. And that's where verse three again so beautifully fits in. Uh, Peter points them back and says, so we're talking about your faith. He even talks about how you're shielded by God's power or through that faith. Um, where is your faith looking? If it's looking at the outward circumstances of your life and when those things go badly, does that mean my faith is not in a worthy object? And Peter says, Stop looking at the outward circumstances of your life. Look back to the resurrection. You have these things because of Christ's resurrection. So if Christ's resurrection isn't true, then you don't have peace anymore. But if Christ's resurrection is true, then it doesn't matter what is happening in the outward circumstances of your life. Then you still have true peace and nothing that's happening in life can rob you of that because it's a proven fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Excellent. Yeah. Tyler. Yeah. I love everything both of them have said. I just to, to play on what Brett was talking about. I mean, um, it's a helpful thing for me to remember that we preach to pain. There are always, there are always a lot of people, maybe not in the same shoes as those Peter was writing to in this specific context, but um, as you said, with, fire turned up sometimes and easy in a spot when the outward circumstances lead to doubt. But, but um, just to, to 
reiterate what Brett was saying, we actually have something to say to that pain, to preach to it, that there is a hope alive. Um, come with me to see the wounds, to see the irreversible historical fact. Um, it's faith, yes, but it's not blind faith. There's something uh, always underneath. Um, it makes me think of that the newer Easter hymn, the tomb is empty. And it, there's a, a verse in there. It says, um, raise those who sleep in tombs of fear, which really connects to our gospel lesson, I think as well, that they were locked up in, for fear of mm -hmm. people. Um, but also just fear of what is coming next. And um, when I'm in a tough spot in life and going through refining and all kinds of trials, well, um, let's go see the wounds of Jesus. Let's go see the resurrection again. And all of these other things that are in this text, although I also appreciate that verse three really is, that's it's a wonderful thing to say, the, the kind of live if you're going to preach on this. Uh, maybe this is not a helpful picture, but it's always stuck with me. A long time ago somewhere, I heard a, an Easter preacher talk about the, the baptismal font as your Easter basket and that there's just more and more you can keep pulling out of there, um, surprises of grace, the kind of things that, that Bill was talking about. Yeah, Bill? Um, you know, Peter is, you, you wouldn't really expect a Galilean fisherman to write something like this because it's just so elegant. Um, it's one long ongoing sentence in Greek. Uh, it's just so beautifully worded. The, the malady there is in verse six with, um, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Uh, I love how he puts it into perspective he doesn't want to minimize the trials that they're going through. So he says in all kinds of trials, and yet he can say for a little while. Well, when you're going through trials, it seems like anything but a little while. But in the grand scheme of things, when you have the resurrection to lean on, you know, this is a bringing back to life where you cannot die again. Paul makes that point in uh, Romans about that, uh, you know, Christ uh, is raised and he cannot die again. So this hope that Christians have, you know, is this eternal hope that puts things in perspective for us that this life of 70 or 80 years of trial is really just minuscule in comparison to uh, what Christ has won for us. Yeah, this, uh, one of the intriguing things about this text, I think, is that, um, as all of you have mentioned um, in different ways, there's a depth to it because of the refining of faith, the suffering grief and all kinds of trials. The You, you don't see Christ before your eyes. Instead, you see a, a lot of things that would lead you into fear and doubt. Um, so uh, the word of praise that begins the section um, and the living hope, you know, it's not just you know, hey, let's all be happy. Uh, Jesus is risen, something shallow like that. It's no, you know, the you're in the crucible right now. The the flames are getting hotter. You're feeling the pain. You're, the, the suffering is real. But as Tyler said, you know, there's something to be said to that that is also real. Uh, and that is Jesus lives. And then all these blessings that flow out of that really do speak to our need uh, in those darkest moments too. Um, Bill mentioned, uh, referred to the malady um, in terms of uh, the grief that we suffer, 
because of these trials that were going through and, you know, for Peter's first readers, probably a person act of persecution, you know, they're on the receiving end of that for our listeners it might be different things. Could we add to that uh, malady thought, maybe some, the, the doubt, the fear uh, that creep in, you know, when all those things are kind of crashing around us, uh, Brett. Yeah. Maybe, maybe tying those things back in with, as this text emphasizes that, we personally receive all those blessings through faith and the, the malady of, of being tempted to put our faith in the wrong object, in the fault, faulty object. So if our faith is in a God who's going to protect us from experiencing any sort of trial and mm-hmm. suffering, mm-hmm. if that's where the object of my faith is, then using the word pictures Peter used, when the flames of trial actually come, if my misplaced faith was, I didn't think God was going to let any of this come near me, then those fiery trials just completely consume and burn up my faith. And it's just replaced with with doubt and with fear. Um, And maybe while we're talking about that, that then just the, the cure for that malady is again what we said when Peter points us back to the resurrection of Christ as the object of our faith. Uh, that's the truth that shields us. That's the power that God has to shield us. Then our faith is in a worthy object, and and it turns those trials not into something that consume our faith, but now, as Peter says, there that's the thing that that burns out the impurities because as I go through those trials, Peter says, well, as you're going through them, if the resurrection is still true, you still have peace. And guess what? The resurrection is still true. And, and the child of God can say, wow, I, I'm going through this trial right now and it cannot take away the inheritance that's stored for me in heaven. And that's, the very definition of your faith being strengthened. I believe that even more now than I did before I went through this trial. Um, just so many beautiful things for the preacher to point the, the child of God to about the, the worthy object of their faith. Great. Bill? Uh, yeah, and I think Peter is probably playing off of uh, Old Testament scriptures like Isaiah 43, when you pass through the fire, you will not be burned. Um, so, you know, in the refining process, they had to heat up the gold in some way because it was the only way of purifying the metal. And so God uh, allows us to go through these fiery trials. Um, I noticed the, the one commentator I was reading on this uh, pointed out how in verse... Um, five, uh, who through faith are shielded by God's power, that, that that's a rather unique uh, Greek verb there, and it's a military term, you know, that God has this shield over you, you know, it's almost like an invisible force field that you're going to be heated up, but it will not get to the temperature uh, where it burns uh, you or destroys you. Yeah. Yeah, shielded, though you are suffering griefs, uh, shielded, though you are experiencing the refiner's fire. Yeah, but it, it's, I, I think, 
Christians can relate to that too, how God preserves them. Does not, as Brett was saying, you know, this is not God's promise to keep us from all discomfort, um, but rather his promise to preserve us in the midst of that and somehow, some way, uh, strengthen us through that process. Uh, Bill? Um, it's also kind of reminding me of um, uh, my kids and I watched the um, watched Apollo 13 one time, and there's that scene where uh, they're returning to the earth, and you, you, if you've seen it, you know there's that um, underside made of very thick metal that um, where in the movie the sparks are just flying as they're entering the atmosphere. And shortly after that, we took a trip uh, to Washington, D.C., and in the Smithsonian got to see the capsule and just look at how it was all pitted from, you could just see the pattern of the, how the molecules had dented um, and made these like little troughs in the shield. But, you know, that heat shield was enough to protect them that they could re-enter the earth without being harmed. Right, right. Yeah, cool illustration. Uh, Tyler? Yeah, um, you, somehow you said uh, that somehow God will strengthen us through that. And that makes me think of just a, a lot of the characters in this, the, well, this Sunday, um, the, the disciples are changed, uh, though they've got this struggle, this trial that they're in fear and doubt and whatever else. When they see Jesus, they're overjoyed, like instantaneously. And Thomas is changed uh, from doubting into this beautiful confession. And Peter um, certainly had his share his need for grace, um, and now is just the preacher of it, both in the Acts account and in this these beautiful words in First Peter, um, and then you, because the first gift we listed there is new birth, new identity. You are abs- changed in status, but in in more ways than that somehow. And I think, as you guys have said, if Jesus lives, hope still lives on, and um, somehow. Um, you know, it doesn't it happen for us Christians that more often in the rearview mirror, we can see these, these things than in the moment we're in. But, um, but so many times we are filled with, uh, what does he call it, inexpressible joy over um, something that has not looked pleasant or felt pleasant in the moment, but later on produced a beautiful thing. Right, right. Yeah, it occurs to me too that, you know, Peter is the common character in all three readings this Sunday. He's there. Um, on Easter evening, and then later with Thomas, and he's, of course, the one speaking um, in Acts 2, and here writing, and just to, you know, would love to get get uh, more thought, interview him, and get more thoughts from him, you know, how God formed his faith over those years, too, um, through those experiences. You know, he lived he lived through this strengthening process um, that, uh, that he describes here. Um, well, uh, how about... Um, thoughts, uh, just kind of basic outline thoughts, theme parts, um, how have you approached this text? And this will maybe lead us into thinking about kind of what's the, the although we've referred to this a little bit already, the, the key thought um, for the sermon that kind of unifies um, our presentation of the text. Um, so I'll, I'll open it up. Any thoughts you'd like to share as far as a main thought? Uh, theme ideas that you're considering or that you've worked with in the past? Uh, Brett, you want to go first? Sure. You could do something very similar to the theme for the day. Simply, he lives to give us 
proof and peace, or as Professor Tackmeyer was saying, maybe you you tweak that a little bit to speak specifically to the blessings that are talked about here, hope and joy. Maybe that's part of it. You could just pose a question. Can anything rob me of my peace or can anything rob me of my joy? And then explore the answer to that question as you go through the text. Um, and that would give you a chance to talk about, well, what's the, the object of our faith? Um, can these outward trials rob me of those things? Uh, so something like that might work mm -hmm. as a thematic thought. Great, great. Uh, other ideas, Tyler? Yeah, I was thinking about kind of working backwards from the from verse eight in First Peter, uh, which I think, right, it just echoes Jesus' words from John chapter twenty. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled in an inexpressible glorious and joy. Something in there um, about how how can you have this faith? How can you believe in him? How do you um, how do you love him? Uh, working back then to the eyewitness accounts and the facts. Um, the new birth that is yours in holy baptism. Mm -hmm. Great, great. I looked back and I think I had just used a theme, something like we live in living hope. Um, just kind of that's what characterizes our lives. Peter says, as Christ's disciples, um, there's a, a, a looking to the future um, with not, not with dread and despair or not even looking at the present um, as we have to suffer or be refined in our faith, uh, giving up uh, any sense of hope, but our hope is rejuvenated as we keep going back to the empty tomb and the power of the resurrection that God has connected us to. So we live in living hope. Um, further ideas, uh, Bill? Uh, the theme I was toying with was uh, from verse three, Jesus' resurrection creates a living hope. And then I was toying with three parts for that based on the following verses. Um, and th this each would be con a continuation of the statement and of the living hope. A living hope that is indestructible uh, with that shield idea. Uh, and then the second one that only grows stronger in trials. And finally, that is worth more than gold. Great, great, good idea. Um, any uh, helpful illustrations, um, or in addition to those already mentioned, that might uh, help make uh, some concept in the text a little more concrete, or um, just help to uh, to bring it to life a little bit in listeners' minds? Brett? That's something that Professor Tackmeyer said early on just struck a chord with me about how Peter didn't minimize the sufferings and the grief that the, his readers were going through. He didn't approach it like, come on guys, it's not that bad. Um, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be feeling such grief because of it. He acknowledges sometimes living in a sinful world as a Christian is extremely hard. Um, I'm acknowledging that. And yet it's just for a little while. And there are, you know, all those beautiful promises about the, the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There's an eternity without those sufferings later on. And it made me think of how I deal with my kids sometimes when they get hurt, especially if it's not a serious thing, but, but just one of those things that, yeah, that probably really is hurting right now. But you can tell it was one of those that I bet you in 10 seconds that pain's going to subside and it'll be gone. 
And sometimes I just take the approach with them to really acknowledge, wow, I bet you that really hurts right now. But I bet if we just sit here for 30 seconds, you'll start to notice that the pain will, will go away and, and everything's going to be fine. And there's just that calming. Cause I think what happens in a little kid's mind sometimes is I really hurt right now. And I'm not sure this pain is ever, ever, ever going to go away. And to just acknowledge the pain and to assure them it's going to go away is very helpful and calming to them. Uh, there's a little bit of risk with that, I suppose, as a parent, because, you know, maybe they broke their arm and that pain's not going away <laughs> anytime soon. But with, with Christ's resurrection, there is no doubt that you can say that to a, a child of God, that the pain is going to be temporary because the inheritance is there in heaven. And only if Christ did not get raised, can it be taken away and he lives. Yeah. 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 And, and even if the pain continues for a while and doesn't seem to subside, uh, the promise that we have because of the fact that he lives is that you have an inherent inheritance waiting for you that, that nothing can take away uh, when pain will be banished. Right. Um, yeah. I was looking back at my files and I think, Short one time I preached on this text, and shortly before I had watched the movie uh, 42, which is the story of Jackie Robinson, um, the baseball player. And uh, one scene from the movie that caught my attention was uh, I th- he or some of the characters in the movie are standing inside this empty baseball stadium. I think it's like the day before opening day. And one of the characters says, I love. I love opening day in a baseball season because it's all future, no past. Um, Like the slate is wiped clean. We can just look forward. And that just got me thinking about this concept of hope that, that Peter talks about here. Now, the difference being that um, if you follow many a baseball team, the hope will soon come crashing down, you know, before too long uh, as the season progresses. But here's the living hope that we've got. Uh, yeah, it, it stays alive. Um, we keep on looking forward with joy, even as we suffer, uh, because he lives. Um, any further thoughts uh, that might help preachers out as we think about proclaiming this text? Okay. Right. All right. Well, let's leave it there then for today. I think we've given uh, preachers a lot of food for thought as they consider Uh, this beautiful gospel of a living hope uh, penned by inspiration by Peter, um, who knew something about that uh, doubt and fear and needing mercy, but receiving uh, the presence of the living Christ and the peace that only he can give and the living hope that uh, only a living Jesus can generate. Um, May God bless you preachers as you internalize those beautiful truths and then proclaim them to your people.